Hello, and thank you for listening to the Mathematics Teacher Educator Journal podcast. The Mathematics Teacher Educator Journal is co-sponsored by the Association of Mathematics Teacher Educators and the National Council of Teachers of Mathematics. My name is Eva Thanheiser, and today I'm talking with Stephanie Casey and Andrew Ross from Eastern Michigan University. We will be discussing the article Developing Equity Literacy and Critical Statistical Literacy in Secondary Mathematics Pre-Service Teachers, published in the September 2022 issue of the Mathematics Teacher Educator Journal. We will begin by summarizing the main points of the article and discuss in more depth the lessons they shared in the article, their successes and challenges, and how these lessons relate to their other work. Stephanie and Andrew, can you briefly introduce yourselves? Sure. Hi, everybody. I'm Stephanie Casey. I am a professor at Eastern Michigan University. I am a mathematics teacher educator primarily, uh, coming off of my 14 years of teaching high school math and then uh, switching to be a professor about uh, 12 years ago. And I'm Andrew Ross. My background is in statistics, operations research, and data science most recently. And I also teach uh, stats for teachers sometimes and the math modeling class that uh, future teachers take. Well, welcome to the podcast and let's jump right in. Can you give us a brief summary of the article, including the results? All right. So this article was our opportunity to share with the mathematics teacher educator community results of our work regarding writing teacher education curriculum materials for secondary mathematics pre-service teachers in particular to develop their statistical knowledge for teaching as well as their equity literacy. So Andrew and I are part of a modules project funded by the National Science Foundation where teacher education curriculum materials were written in algebra, geometry, mathematical modeling, and statistics. And Andrew and I were on the statistics writing team. In addition to ourselves, we had a K-12 classroom teacher, Samantha Maddox, and a graduate student working with us named Melody Wilson. And so the four of us spent years writing these materials in a very purposeful way to develop, you know, to try and meet the aspirational goals that a lot of the documents have come out in recent years, including the standards for preparing teachers of mathematics from AMTE regarding what we should be doing in mathematics teacher preparation. So in particular, thinking about the standards for preparing teachers of mathematics, there's assumption number one right up front is that equity needs to be front and center and integrated throughout our teacher education programs in mathematics. And in order to make that a reality, we need to integrate it into our content courses as well. And so we we really were making effort to meet that need through the writing of these materials. So a, a good portion of this article is to help the reader understand our design of these materials, how we were purposely trying to develop student, uh, pre-service teachers' equity literacy along with what we call critical statistical literacy so that uh, we're developing things that are content-related and equity-related in a synergistic way. So a good portion of the article is helping you understand the design of that and diving into one of the activities in the material so that you could have a better sense of how this is all played out. I'll let Andrew talk a bit about the results. As part of enacting these in, in our classrooms and with some piloters for our project, we asked our pre-service teachers in the class as a pre-survey and a post-survey how they are thinking about the 
how confident they are that they can use statistics in a class in a critical statistical literacy way and about equity literacy questions. And overall, we saw improvement from pre to post. There's some interesting contrasts between their growth in critical statistical literacy and their growth in equity literacy uh, that we can maybe talk about later. Overall, we were happy with the results. And the results also showed that just this one stats class isn't going to do it, that we really do need an approach that that covers equity literacy in a wide variety of classes in the, in the teacher prep program. Thank you so much. I think that gives a nice overview, and I'm excited to dig more into the concepts that you have just introduced us to. But before we do that, who do you think should read this article? I think anyone who is considering teaching, obviously, a statistics for future teachers sort of class, but also anyone who is working to revamp their teacher preparation program, whether they have a statistics background or not, to be thinking about the importance of building a critical integrated focus on equity, as the standards say. How can it go into the statistics preparation? How can it go into other aspects of the teacher preparation? It would also be nice if people who are sort of just plain statistics teachers uh, read this, if they're teaching a class that future teachers take, but it isn't a designated statistics for teachers class. We know that's a reality in a lot of universities. Yeah, that's my reality, right? I teach statistics. I actually taught statistics for middle school teachers too, and I don't have a solid background in being a stats educator. I know I've used some of your earlier versions of the modules and they were super helpful in my classes. So I highly recommend that. Um, let's jump into um, MTE articles are usually framed around an important problem a problem of practice or some issue in math or stats education? What is the problem that you were addressing in your paper? It's what I mentioned before, like our primary problem of practice is that we are lacking teacher education curriculum materials for introductory statistics content courses that develop teachers' statistical knowledge for teaching as well as equity literacy. So, you know, again, there were these aspirational documents put out by organizations, but we here as mathematics teacher educators are having to figure out how to actually make this a reality. And so part of the work to make something a reality is to have curriculum materials that support this type of work. So that's the major problem of practice we're addressing. So let me see if I, I'm going to try to rephrase it and you let me know if I got it or not, because I feel like it's similar to pieces that I've been working on. So the issue you're addressing is to have materials that address not only the stats education standards, but pull in equity throughout the materials. Is that a fair restatement? Yeah, you're, I think so. I was like, you're nodding your heads. That's not something people can hear. I know. <laughs> okay. All right. So Let's talk a little bit about how this article builds on existing work in the field, particular theories, prior work that you build on. Sure. So there's two major constructs that we are building on in our work. One is this equity literacy framework that we keep mentioning that comes out of uh, Gorski's work. And the idea of this framework is to describe the key skills and dispositions that educators need in order to create uh, and sustain equitable learning environments for students as well as educating students about equity and enacting change in the educational system. So um, that had a really 
good fit with what we were trying to do as well as the what the standards for preparing teachers of mathematics are asking us to do in math teacher education because it needs to go beyond just looking at the pedagogical practices that we're using and preparing our teachers to use, but they need to understand the social context of mathematics learning and the issues of equity in that and how to advocate for change in that system. And so this framework was really helpful for helping us understand what are the skills and dispositions that one needs to develop in educators in order to make them ready to do that work once they're out in the field. So let me see if I can rephrase. When we work with teaching math for social justice, we often use the statement, it's both content and pedagogy. Is that kind of summarizing what you just said? We're trying to not only teach our future teachers the content of statistics and how to teach statistics, but we're also trying to teach them how to use statistics to advocate for change in the educational system when they see inequities in that system. And that is the action component, right? Right. So that's the action component. Exactly. And that really links to this other construct that we used a lot, which is called critical statistical literacy. So, you know, literacy, people are probably familiar with that term. Like, can you read and write (laughs) in that and that? So, right. So statistical literacy is a lot about can you read and write in statistical contexts, graphs, numbers, you know, any and all things that would involve statistics, data, et cetera critical statistical literacy, which is what we are trying to develop in our teachers, is their ability to use their statistical literacy to inform action or change. And that's really important. That's that critical part. So we want them to be able to use statistics to make data-driven arguments that can be powerful for informing action or change in their world, and in particular regarding sociopolitical issues. I just loved your article because we've been wrestling with defining critical mathematical literacy. And so having you wrestling to define critical statistical <laughs> literacy has been really helpful. So I'm really okay, cool. reading that piece. All right. So let's jump into the, I think we, we understand the two constructs that you're building on the critical statistical literacy. And what was the other one? Equity literacy. Equity literacy. So those are the two in addition to the statistics. So let's talk a little bit about these modules that you developed. And in particular, one you shared in the paper, I think it was about class participation, right? In different math classes, not participation. Enrollment, yeah. Enrollment. And um, I think you used a definition of equity that said something about predicting. So... If you can just kind of talk us through that, because that's such a cool activity. And then that's just an example of many of the activities that you have, right? Important to define what we mean by equity. And we use the definition that has a bit of a statistical sense to it that uh, important demographic variables like race and gender and belief and proficiency in, uh, in particular languages would have no predictive power to talk about student achievement. And of course, there's a bunch of ways you can talk about achievement, but that you wouldn't see any statistical differences from one demographic group to another. So that's our overall definition of what it will mean to achieve equity, we hope. And so that leads directly into a statistical activity where we look at differences in enrollment in what in various math courses in high school by race in particular. 
So this is part of an activity where we've given the pre-service teachers some definition, a framework for looking at having students think about a graph. So it's a Curcio's levels of, of understanding a graph. Uh, are you just reading the data that's on the graph? Are you reading between the data, like examining differences between this part of the data and that part of the data? Or are you reading beyond the data, asking what does this data tell us about society? Where did this data come from? We're looking at a graph that shows a segmented bar chart of overall enrollment in high schools in the U.S. And then how, uh, what was the racial breakdown of enrollment in what you might call advanced sort of algebra classes? And what about taking algebra one in grades 11 and 12, which is what you might call not advanced? And then also in pre-calculus and then also in some sciences, biology and, and uh, physics, I think. So we have our pre-service teachers use the framework that they've just been learning about to write questions as if they were writing them for their future class that, you know, examine the data as it is on the graph, just reading the data, and then it's the next step up, you know, comparing two categories maybe, and then getting into that equity literacy, reading beyond the data and saying what social conditions are going on that would lead to this graph, and then the critical statistical literacy of what can we do to inform action or change here. For example, write a letter to a to someone, a hypothetical person in a school district or a legislature making a data-driven argument about this. And I think in the paper, you talk about supporting detracking, which I think is a topic that is currently talked about everywhere. So it's a nice mm -hmm. connection to that. Okay, so we get to um, see this graph and then you have the framework for the graph reading, which was new to me and I really enjoyed the three levels of reading a graph. And I'm going to use this in my class tomorrow because it's so cool. So it was like that, just reading literally the data, right? And then between the data and then beyond the data. And then there's some descriptions of what that all means. And I'm excited to explore that uh, with my students. The graph you shared really aligns well with your definition of equity, which I think goes back to Rochelle Gutierrez. Is that correct? Uh, like we can't predict. Yeah, that's right. And uh, when you look at the stacked graphs, you can see that the racial makeup in algebra classes that take algebra in grades 11 and 12 looks very different from either the general high school or the earlier algebra and so I think that's kind of one of the things you wanted students to notice is my guess and then talk about why that is. Am I correct there? Yes, that, that's a big part of the discussion of why are the, I uh, get getting toward the final level of reading beyond the graph. Why would the differences, why would there be differences in the number of uh, or the percent racial composition of white students versus, uh, not versus, but along with other uh, racial groups from algebra one in grades nine and 10 to algebra one in grades 11 and 12. And then we also have our pre-service teachers do some pre-work before they come to class, thinking about perhaps their own experiences with tracking or, or being shuffled into one class or another. And even before that, we have a part of a, a lesson that's about ways to have courageous conversations about difficult topics. So we're all communicating respectfully and doing important things like that. 
And there's a lot of research and stories on counter stories out in books that talk about these experiences of parents of Black children who are not being advised into the higher level of math, even you know, with math education parents who then had to fight battles just because of their race or because the teacher had some bias. And so I think exploring what you have with in combination with some experiences, which I think you say you do with videos and stuff is really powerful to, to also make sure we don't like take wrong conclusions from the data. And another okay. powerful aspect of this graph I wanted to bring up, which helps in the discussions is that the breakdown of the high school science classes, biology, chemistry, and physics is extremely similar to the overall high school enrollment. We're looking at breakdown by race. Then if you compare that to the what's happening in the various math classes at the high school level in terms of their breakdown by race, they are substantially different from the overall enrollment. So that really is trying to bring out difference, you know, what is going on here. And I think what I like about that is it helps us hone in on issues in mathematics teacher education, which is really important and often doesn't happen if you are taking just a general social foundations class in a college of education, for example. Yeah, no, this is good. And math is used as an indicator and level of smartness, right? So this really has a huge impact. All right, so let's move on to your research question. What was the research question or the, the question that you looked at for the effectiveness of your innovation? If you can share a little bit of that. Sure, so we have one question with uh, two subparts. So our research question was, does the use of our statistics teacher education curriculum materials improve secondary math pre-service teachers' competence, value, and likelihood of applying both their equity literacy and their critical statistical literacy. So again, those two big constructs that I talked about earlier are the two subpoints of that research question. So regarding the idea of value and likelihood, I just wanna make sure people are familiar with where that's coming from. So there's something called the expectancy value theory of achievement motivation, which talks about the idea that somebody is more likely to make choices that promote success at achieving a target when they value that target. That's the value part. And they feel likely that they can try, that if they try to achieve that target, they will succeed. That's the likelihood part. And so the goals that we have for our study were applying critical statistical literacy and applying equity literacy. And so we're wanting to know, are these pre-service teachers expectancy and value uh, and, and increasing from the beginning of the course to the end of the course. And so we did pre-post uh, surveys. And in this survey, there were a number of survey items that were on Likert scales, where they went from zero, not at all, to five very much in terms of how well does this statement describe you, for example. It is important to me to use critical statistical literacy skills when considering claims made regarding socio-political issues. That's an example of one of the types of, of questions that we asked. So we had a total of four critical statistical literacy items and six equity literacy items that were on um, these Likert scales. In addition, there was a open-ended portion of the survey at the end asking them questions like, what did you learn about equity and social justice in this class? What was helpful for your learning about 
teaching statistics in the future that involves issues of equity and things like that. So uh, we have some results in our paper that are coming from both parts, the survey items and the open-ended. And one of the things that I really loved about your results is how you present them. So as you share the results, maybe you can share how you represented them as well. I'd like to jump in and point out, um, I don't think it's been said in the podcast yet. So we do, in the article, we feature this activity about tracking and, and racial uh, percentages. Um, but that's only one part of a much larger strand in the in the statistics modules. It, every, we have three modules, exploratory data analysis and study design, statistical inference, like confidence intervals and hypothesis tests, and uh, so statistical association, um, like linear regression and two-way tables, chi-squared stuff. And each of those modules has a few central themes that use an equity-related data set. So the the results we're going to be talking about here aren't just due to the one activity about tracking. It's integrated throughout the whole semester. And I believe that your article lists the topics in one of the appendices, right? So people can go and see That's what, correct. what yeah. the topics are. Thanks for adding that. To talk about the way that we're presenting the research results or the, the results of the pre and post survey. So it's Likert data. And we have two ways to look at it. One is movement from pre to post. So we're using something called a river diagram. Uh, it's also called a sand key diagram sometimes. Uh, so it shows the distribution of people's answers zero through five on the pre and then in a parallel way on the post. And it shows slanted bars going from, let's say, people who responded a four on the pre to responded a five on the post. Or if someone responded more rarely would be like a four on the pre and a three on the post. But that happened every now and then, but it was pretty rare. Most people either moved up a category or two or just stayed where they were. So when we look at this graph, we can kind of see the movement by how the lines are slanted to the mm -hmm. Mostly to the right is an increase mm -hmm. and that's correct to the left. Yeah. And then this is paired data pre to post. So we also compute uh, their difference pre to post, how many categories they moved. And then we make a segmented bar chart of that showing how many people changed zero categories on this question, how many people changed by plus one, how many changed by plus two. There were some minus ones. And we do that for each of the four critical statistical literacy related questions and each of the six equity literacy questions. So overall, we saw a great uh, positive movement, you know, as, as an overall trend. It was interesting, the scores or the, the ratings that people gave themselves on the pre were much higher for equity literacy. There were a lot of people who were answering five. They're very comfortable or have a lot of, place a lot of value on equity literacy related questions. So there wasn't much room for them to show improvement where I think people were a lot less confident in their ability and perhaps even how much they value using statistics, critical statistical literacy, which might be an effect of how the U.S. educational system has perhaps not done as good of a job as it should be doing with statistics knowledge and statistics affect, you could say. So we, we saw better, larger improvements for critical statistical literacy, perhaps because people came in with that more negative image of statistics. But these being pre-service teachers, perhaps they already have a, a strong value on equity literacy topics. 
Okay. My next question is what evidence do you provide? But I think we already touched on that. So um, I'm going to move to the next one, which is I kind of our last question before we bow out. So what is the new contribution to our field of math teacher education that your article or larger your modules set makes? So in terms of the materials, we are, you know, and have finally created some teacher education curriculum materials that are allowing teacher educators to have something in their hands to support the type of work we've been saying we want to do in our classrooms. And um, I wanted to mention also that the modules project, in addition to just giving you teacher education curriculum materials, we also have expansive support for instructors that use these materials. So we've created open canvas sites with all kinds of resources to help instructors know how these materials work, videos of professors using these and things to attend to regarding that teaching to support the enactment of, you know, what we're wanting these materials to do in, in their implementation. So I think there's just a lot to be, you know, we've got a lot of supports now that weren't there before. So that's definitely a major focus. But I think, you know, in terms of the article and thinking about ways that it can support mathematics teacher education in general, and like some bigger things, like Andrew mentioned, like one of you know, when you think about how do you address equity literacy and development of teachers' understandings of issues of equity, what we have found from previous research in our field is that most secondary math teacher education programs, if they do address it, never get to issues that address systemic racism. And so that was a major goal of our materials was to address systemic racism and that also, you know, or just issues of equity in systems. And so that's something that the AMTE standards emphasize that something that we found a way to do through this idea of a strand of a common topic that goes throughout all of our materials. The major focus of our strand is on income inequality and what are some different things that are related to income inequality. And the ones that we focus on a lot in our materials are education related factors because we are working with future teachers. So we feel that they are not only should care a lot about um, the education as a system, but also that's the system they're going to be working with. So that's the one they can most likely enact change in. So, you know, just this idea of how do you have a common theme that's running throughout your course that you keep visiting again and again to deepen pre-service teachers' understanding of this systemic issue about equity is something that could be carried over into lots of different applications and experiences that we are designing for our future teachers. So I think that's another contribution that our work has for the field. And I don't know if we've mentioned this before, but the modules are free to use. And if somebody wanted to use them, what do you think, how much time commitment is needed to get started on using them? I'd say it's about as much as switching a textbook. Okay. There's, you know, you can sign up to access the materials at our website, modules2.com. Once you get the materials, you can see the student version and the instructor version. And you can also watch videos uh, written by the, or filmed by the writing team and engage with other people. So it's about as much work as switching textbooks in general. All right. Is there anything else that you would like to add or promote before we close out now? Okay, thank you. This module sounds amazing. And for, oh, I should thank you for joining us. So thank you for joining us. You're welcome. This has been fun. Thanks for the opportunity. It is totally fun for me. I've got so many ideas of what to pull for my classes. I'm always excited. 
luxury to get to do these interviews. Okay, for further information on this topic, you can find the article on the Mathematics Teacher Educator website, as well as the link to the modules project. This has been your host, Ava Thenheiser. Thank you for listening and goodbye.